G'day guys and welcome back to the Venture Beyond podcast. This is episode four where we talk all about partnerships, in particular some partnerships I've had in my career. And what was funny was is this podcast turned into a little bit of an interview where James started asking me questions about my life in partnerships and I didn't really reflect on these these questions before. So what came out of it was some great insights that I know you're going to love. There's only one thing that I know for sure is that I don't have all the answers. But I always come back to the fact that a good entrepreneur, they can't do everything and they need good partners to complement them. To do things well, you need a rich set of skills and experiences and characteristics. Like if you look at our partnership, for example, we both bring different skills and, and complementary characteristics to the table that neither one of us could do individually. Though also vetting your partner appropriately before you start working together. And I think that's that's where you've been burnt and I've been burnt as well, is not properly doing the diligence, but also maybe uh, testing the waters enough before jumping into a relationship with somebody. Testing the waters is an interesting point um, because I think you don't know what you don't know until you get into a partnership. And then you're like, you start to see things unfold that you can see is unhealthy or isn't quite right. But it's really hard to, to have a conversation with a partner who you're working with every day, who you're ideally on the same common goal, common mission um, to achieve. But you know that there's some kind of imbalance or something, something's not quite right. And the thing that, that ultimately ends up having to happen is you have to have that really hard conversation. But the truth is, is the, fun, the, the thing that was really crystallizing in our partnership is that the hard conversation wasn't that hard. It just had to be had. And it was, you know, just being really clear about who you are, because this is all you, all you really can comment on in a partnership, is this is who I am, this is why I'm here, and these are the things I want to get out of my working life. Yeah, because at the end of the day, all the, we're, the reason we're doing this, we work together, we have a business, is to make our life and the, and the lives of our loved ones better. Yeah. So if you're not really on the same page, then or you're not really clear about what you're trying to get out of the business relationship, that's the, you know, your first fault. Yeah. I'd say also the other thing worth talking about and identifying is like different levels of partnership almost. Like you you and my partnership is a 50-50. It's a all in, you know, this is our one business or our, our one, you know, main venture in life, in our, in our careers. So we're all in together, but there's also lots of value to be found in smaller partnerships. And I'm talking kind of like our, our new ventures. 100% with what we're doing with our team. Uh, and you guys would have seen in previous episodes, we've been talking all about these ventures. And it kind of maybe outside looking in feels like we're launching a heap of stuff, which it does feel like even inside we're launching a heap of, heap of things. But as I said in the first episode, you know, our goal here is to build a great team and then build products with that team that are super scalable and incredible things that we can that we can build with this collective of people that individually doesn't doesn't know what they don't know and and doesn't have all the answers but together as a collective can can build something that feels so incredible and so uh so advanced 
but it's because of that collective of people. But to your point, when we when we look at our team, you know, our team is getting involved in these ventures that we're funding, um, and they're getting involved uh, for no capital. It's essentially a, a share option. But the reason we're offering that is because we we know who the, the team members are, we know how good they are. I mean, we hired them at the end of the day, and we've retained them, um, and then we've been selective about who joins which venture based on that core point, which is who do we really need in that role and who's showing that they've got the, the desire, the capability and the, the hunger to want to build something with us. Yeah. And then we were assigning that appropriately. Yeah. One thing I wanted to share and coming back to the first thing I said around like vetting the partners and uh, making sure that you've tested the waters. I guess we have tested the waters with our team. So we were offering partnership to them. But one thing we did with um, WP Native Apps, which I think is really worth sharing and full cards on the table transparency, which is what we shared with the team, is the way that we set up the the contracts um, or the shareholders agreement mm-hmm. uh, to only do an exchange of shares after an objective in the business is reached, which I believe was going to be 10 paying customers. Correct, yeah. So we correctly identified that there was going to be a lot of work that needed to happen to get the pro- get the business from zero through to having 10 customers. And we were taking a risk by saying, here's 5% of the business for doing nothing other than applying and being a part of the team. So to de-risk that, what we did is um, we set the milestone of 10 customers and we said that the shares will be uh, transferred upon achieving that objective. And that protects not just us, but also everybody else in the team who joined that that venture. Yep. Because it says, you know, between between now and when we get to that objective, you need to put in a shitload of work to actually then go and warrant being transferred those shares. Totally. And the point about respecting other people as, as partners as well is really important because you could you can imagine, let's say we pick one person in the team well, without saying names, but we pick one person. Let's say they put in majority of the effort and they end up with the same number of shares at the end or at the start even with somebody else who is a bit more in and out in the project and these things happen i mean not everybody is going to be able to put in the same level of effort but ultimately that milestone ensures that by the time we get there we can evaluate whether it's fair whether it's right and whether those options should be should be actually given to that person if they have been in and out and haven't provided the same level of of commitment. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy that we did that. And I think testing the relationship in that nature or in that project made sense with that kind of shareholder agreement. Whereas like testing a relationship with a kind of more um, equitable or not equitable, but more even split of shares or even split of kind of responsibility. Like for example, you and I, like we tested the relationship for like two years Mm before we decided to actually go and 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 split shares yeah um and i think that that was necessary because maybe at the start if we had have just gone all in well you know how much how much uh how difficult it was for the first year and it was difficult especially for me because because of the the fact that i founded the company and i started before you did and that was that was a um a circumstance of age um you know i restless me i just couldn't i didn't have the patience to to sit back for a few years while you were still studying and overseas and all of that um so i got started 
you know, and then when you were ready, and our intention was always to be in business together. Uh, but we uh, we had rosy, I, I guess, what is it, rose? Rose colored glasses. Rose tinted glasses about that idea until you get into the actual detail of how is this partnership going to work, especially because we're brothers. And I don't know if there are any other family businesses out there that, that would be listening. I'm sure you, you know that smirk on James's face is because we overcame some serious things that has broken has broken down those barriers and made it super easy. And the reason why we wanted to have this discussion today is because it taught us a thing or two that you can't learn until you do the real work. And that's the real work. And some of those conversations were never ever heated, but they were just honest. So incredibly honest. To the point where we understood each other. And yeah. and that and that is it's something I really value out of out of just our the way our lives are, are panning out, but uh, I think other people could really learn from. You've had a lot of partnerships in your life uh, because you started so early. Like what first first business started at eighteen or nineteen? Yeah, nineteen. What do you think the you know top three? Let's say let's, let's say top three uh, methods that you would implement now to uh, avoid failure. It's a really good question. Let me unpack it by telling the first story of failure um, in a partnership. So I was 19. I learned how to build apps. Uh, everyone was calling me this, that, and the other whiz kid, all that kind of stuff, right? So I felt pretty good about myself, even though at that point I still had my big afro and, like, I looked real weird, you know, kind of clean myself up, you know. Sam Bankman Freed vibes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was never a fraud. I'm not a fraud. I never will be. Um, so I ended up getting approached by – uh, a, a much older woman who had been in business for quite a, a long time. She worked for IBM. She worked in, in sales roles. So CV was really, really positive. She said she wanted to get into business. This is a friend of our parents, friend of a friend. Anyway, fast forward 12 months. We're in this business together. And in the end, that business had done about 70 to 80 grand of revenue. And I had seen zero dollars. Even though I had access to the bank accounts and everything else, she was in a position in her life where she needed the cash and she was doing it full time. And she'd never, she'd, she put, she kept putting me in a position where I was saying it's okay that I wasn't getting remunerated at all uh, because she needed the money to pay for school fees and all this other stuff. I was 19. I was dumb, really dumb. And I didn't see the, the, uh, the way I was being exploited in that relationship there and I think the the first thing I would say for a young person going into business is that you're not there you're not going into business unless it's maybe not for profit for some kind of altruistic reason you're not going in to build some great company ultimately that should be the outcome but to begin with what you're doing is you're going in to create a company that's going to pay your bills that's first and foremost you need to go and get paid if you don't, if you put off getting paid, a dollar, a dollar today is a lot better than a dollar tomorrow when you're starting out. Um, and that, that's what, that's what I learned there is that I kept getting sold the dream. She would, she'd say things to me like, "I can't wait for you to roll up in your Ferrari one day." And I'm like, now I look back at it, and I'm like, what an idiot I was. <laughs> like seriously, yeah, she sold you the dream. She sold me the dream. So don't get. Don't get lost in the dream, I think, is probably the first thing I'd say from that. 
Um, and and yeah, and and all that glitters is not gold, to use another phrase. Ultimately, I had to get myself out of that situation, and I did, and I had to, I had to then start working for the twelve months that I lost. You know, okay, 70, 80 grand is not a lot of money. But at the time, it was a shitload of money. For a 19-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And, and people were like, oh, you're working so hard. I was going to uni and I was working. I was doing all the dev, everything. Mm. And then I had nothing to show for it. Nothing at all. So it was, it was terrible. So, yeah, don't get caught up in the dream. And remember that you're there to make money. So I took a little break from having a partner. And it was nice because I started making money for the first time. And I made some good money. Um, but it did get to a point where I was like, okay, I can't really juggle all of this myself. And I was getting to the end of my degree. I was getting out of my bachelor's of information um, technology. That's what, it, yeah. Um, and uh, I had another opportunity come up with a client. So this time I was doing work for this person. I completed the job and he said to me, um, it'd, be really, it'd be really nice for us to take this, this technology that you built um, and resell it, basically white label it. I thought, great idea. So we formed a company and we started selling. I barely knew the guy, really. I did know that he was a genuine dude and I did feel like he was, you know, he was easy to talk to. I felt like we got on, like, but I didn't really know him, his capability, his skill set, and whether I didn't really evaluate. I didn't really sit down and say, okay, if this is the guy for this partnership, why him? So that business was successful to an extent. Um, and he stayed my partner in- When you say successful, how can you, can you quantify? Yeah, well, look, I mean, it probably did about 150 grand in rev in the first 18 months. Um, I did, we, we hired a bunch of people we shouldn't have hired. We did do a bunch of things we shouldn't have done. Um, he was much older than me. He's, he's, I think, you know, we're talking like 20 years older. Um, did have an, a business life before and I think what I was doing incorrectly was leaning too much on him to know some of the things that I thought he would know and it was unrealistic of me to, to suggest that that was the case because, again, I didn't, really, I didn't really evaluate it. I didn't really say, okay, I know I want to build a company now because I'm at, my point, at a point now in the freelancing where I can't keep doing it on my own forever. Mm-hmm. And he happened to come along and rather than me thinking, okay, what, who do I need and looking out into my network and trying to build a, a relationship, it just happened and I fell into it and I didn't take a break to think, okay, this is the company I want to build. This is what I'm great at. This is who I need, Yeah, which is what I should have done. You've met a person, you jumped into it and just assumed that it would it'd work out, which is you know, not, not the way that it goes sometimes. So yeah. probably better identifying the, the set of skills that you needed and then probably vetting the person on those skills. It, it's funny really because, you know, I'm, I'm university educated. I've done all of this strategic stuff before, you know, like I literally have a, a master's in commerce. Like I should have been able to think to think more strategically about that. But I think we, it's not until later in, in my life that I've become more introspective about myself. Like I'm very strategic when I think about a client's business. If they come to us and they ask for a strategy, we can break that down a, a thousand different ways and we come up with something great. But it's, only, it's not until I stop and journal about it and, put it and put it in my own frameworks that I actually start being introspective enough to, to do that analysis. Hmm. So I think for, for anybody 
the thing that the nugget of, of wisdom out of that is try your best to, to reflect. Reflect on who you are. Be really critical about your about what you're best at. Um, really double down on what you are best at. Don't close your mind to the things you're not great at because you need to have at least a baseline knowledge of as much as possible if you're building a business. But then identify where you where you need that support and try to go out and find it. Now that you know all of this, where would you go to find a co-founder? It's fairly obvious that now in this world there's a, there's a way to find an individual that, ha- that has the things you're looking for. I think you've actively got to spend the time in the networks, the groups, um, the reddits, the subreddits, all of those. Uh, there's heaps of Facebook groups like Sydney Entrepreneurs. If you're in Sydney, Sydney Entrepreneurs as a Facebook group is great. Um, as a starting point, I'd also ask all of my friends if I knew if they knew anybody that did X, Y, and Z thing, have a coffee, sit down, but say the hard things first. It's like sit down with them early. Say, hey, it looks like we've got some chemistry here. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want out of the world. If this sounds cool to you, let's keep talking. You know, but don't defer the hard conversation. Don't be afraid to say, I want to become a millionaire. I want to make a million bucks or I want to make a billion dollars, whatever the, whatever the crazy thing is that you want to do, or I want to save a bunch of lives or I want to, you know, if you do have an altruistic goal um, and, and have that conversation early so that that way you can be on the same page as early as possible. Well, I think, I mean, it's a, it's a lot from you because you've had the most experience with partnerships. It's, for me, the only partnership I've had is ours. Uh, and well, it's except, been, for, except for last year where we floated around a partnership. Yeah, well, we floated there. And I, there's undoubtedly a lot of lessons to learn from that as well, but I think mostly captured by, by what you've said. Was there anything that came from... Because that was the first time, I guess, you were involved in somebody trying to buy into yeah. into your company. I think the main point that you covered in your first example is is uh, not all that glitters is gold. And I think my thing is is you got to trust your bullshit meter, or at least you got to have that shit flicked on mm. and really be vibing people, understanding the kind of person they are, and and being more rigorous about the way that you evaluate their um, their personality, their intentions, and don't just get sucked up in in the dream. Yeah. Uh, because that's really easy, especially when the person has credentials that kind of make you feel comfortable. You got to make sure that you have the right conversations with the right people to properly understand that and, you know, go through things like, which is what we, we did in, in, a, in a way. It wasn't as effective as it could have been, mm. but we did fortunately avoid that catastrophe. We went about 20, 30% into it, I would say, but fortunately avoided like the, the large bulk of it. Catastrophe is the right word because mm. it really could have been. Mm. Like if I look at where we are today versus where we were 12, 12 months ago, could have been a total disaster. Mm. We had this good business that we're basically throwing away. Yeah. But yeah, we, we, we just made a few losses. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, that, that would be my main takeaway from that experience. I think just the bullshit meter. Yeah. 
you gotta you gotta be reading through kind of the the surface level presentation that people are gonna feed you when they want something from you. It's interesting now that you summed it up as like don't get lost in the dream, because that's what I said about my first partner. And I'm now feeling very guilty that I didn't didn't protect us from that better. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just, again, it's like, I guess it comes back to what I was saying before. Try to be more in, introspective. In fact, the reason that failing um, from 12 months ago is the reason I'm being far more introspective now and have been on a regular journey of doing things like journaling and tracking goals and being really, it's kind of, it's just, it slapped me across the face and was like, okay, you're in your 30s now. You've had enough experience. Stop stop meandering around. Get on with it, mm. you know? And I really I really sat down when I was in Queensland um, in January this year and was just like, dude, get on with it, bro. Like, really sort your shit out. Because like you said, I've had a lot of partners. I guess you could say we've been decently successful. Um, but that's your 20s. It's now time to really give it a crack. Mm. And with the right people with the right people in the room. I think we're doing that a lot uh, a lot more effectively these days. Yeah, 100%. So there you go. We wanted to talk about partnerships. Um, and I think James did a great job of eliciting from me some some things that um, I didn't really know were nuggets of insight. But don't get lost in the dream. Really be introspective about who you are and what you need to get uh, to find in, in your circle of influence or in wider networks. Um, be honest and be be true to yourself. Be really okay and and um, quick to have the hard conversation. The hard conversation is going to solve a lot of problems, a lot of potential problems that will not come your way if you just be honest with the other person or the other people at the table. And ultimately, don't get don't get caught up in the dream um, because the dream the dream will come for, to you one day. The dream will actually materialize. But it will take some time. It won't be, you know, rolling up in a Ferrari next year. It'll be in your fifties when you've had a good career. You'll um you'll enjoy it. In the meantime, enjoy the hustle and enjoy like the hard work. And hopefully you've got some good people around you to do it with. Mm-hmm.